Welcome to Christian Life Church Podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. Uh, so we're going to continue uh, with the blessed series that um, Pastor Simon started before Easter. Um, there it is. It's nice. Um, so just to go through what that was again. So the first week we looked at being in prayer. I say we. It wasn't me. It was Pastor Simon. Uh, the second week it was about listening and the third week was about eating together, which we all enjoyed, didn't we? Yeah. Woo! And this week, we're looking at serving one another. So, serving in love. Um, when I read the Gospels and when I read about Jesus, you know, I see that um, Jesus would heal the sick. You know, he'd lay hands on the sick and they would be well. I read that. Jesus would walk into a room and demons would, you know, tremble. He'd speak life over people. He even raised people from the dead. That's who Jesus is. But Jesus also washed his disciples' feet. He did all these remarkable things. He also did this. He humbled himself. And the Bible says that the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve. And often we brush past this part of who Jesus is. You know, we all want to see healings and miracles, don't we? Yeah, I do, definitely. And we perhaps come to God and we, you know, ask for those things, but very often do we desire to serve like Jesus? Very often do we desire that. But what if um, service is the key to unlock the way of his presence, glory, and majesty? (laughs) Um, Before you today stands a risen savior, healer, deliverer. This is who Jesus is. But he is also servant king. And I want to focus on that bit today. I want to talk to you about that part of Jesus. Um, And so to do that, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to John 13. John 13. And it's the passage uh, 1 to 17. It's the story of when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And in this story, we see that um, Jesus is sat around with his disciples, uh, knowing that soon he was going to face the crucifixion and resurrection. He knew what was before him. And in the last few hours, Jesus decided to wash his disciples' feet. It says in verse 4, John 13, verse 4, So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, 
though not every one of you, for he knew he was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Amen. I just want to say it from the start. If you want to be like Jesus, you've got to learn to serve like Jesus. Amen. So serving in love. Um, my first point is that to serve one another, it requires knowing who you are and where you're going. In verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and this bit, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. If you're to serve people well, it requires knowing who you are and where you're going. When I say know who you are, I'm not referring to your hobbies and interests. You know, I'm Dave and I like snooker. (laughs) That was random. You know, I'm not referring to that. I'm not referring to your job title. You know, you might be a successful businessman or woman or... I'm not referring to that. I'm not even referring to whether you're a husband or a wife or a, you know, you're a parent. I'm not referring to any of those things. That's all external. You know, it comes and it goes. I'm referring to the internal part of who you are, the very core of your being where you know that before everything else, you are loved by Jesus. I'm referring to that part of your life. Not that you love Jesus, but that Jesus loves you. Because the good news of the gospel is that whilst you might be making up your mind about Jesus, he's already made up his mind about you. And so when I say that serving one another means knowing who you are, I'm saying it means knowing that before you're anything, you are loved by Jesus. That thing we often forget or brush past or take advantage of, but it's the very core of who we are. Our very heart was created by God for God. And when we realize that, and when we know that to be true of ourselves, we can really learn to serve like Jesus. Um, Jesus knew that he was from God and therefore he was able to take up the lowest position in the household. Washing feet don't appeal to anyone, does it? Hopefully not, it's a bit weird. (laughs) Um, And for us, that's like crazy that you would go and wash someone's feet. But back then, they didn't have trainers or socks. They had sandals or barefoot. So you think it's gross now? It was way grosser back then. Um, and so, in you know, culture at the time, they were dusty roads, they were walking around barefoot with sandals, and they'd come and they'd sit down for a meal. But what was customary was that someone would wash their feet before they eat their meal. But that person who would wash feet 
was the lowest position of the household, often an unnamed person. You know, it's like the lowest servant. And here, Jesus chose to pick up that posture of service to his disciples. Um, We personally sometimes push ourselves into high positions. You know, we strive to be valued and seen and admired by man. But that's not the way that we were called to live. Has anyone ever said this to you? Do you not know who I am? Thankfully, no one's ever said it to me because I don't know how I'd respond, but it wouldn't be very nice. (laughs) Um, But someone said it to my mum once, and my mum's like really lovely. Um, I hope she's watching this. (laughs) I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, But she's like really gentle. I've never seen my mum angry, never. And I was saying in the first service, me and Daniel, when we were in trouble, she'd try to tell us off, and she'd just end up laughing. Uh, <laughs> it worked a treat. <laughs> um, but she's like super gentle, really lovely. Um, and she was telling me that this one time, she'd asked this lady, do you mind just doing this while I go and do this? I've just got to do this, do you mind? And this lady turned around to my mum and said, do you not know who I am? And my mum said, no, not really. (laughs) Uh, If you want to be humbled, you need to meet my mum. She's good at that. (laughs) But those people that feel the need to say, do you not know who I am? are the sort of people that probably struggle with the issue of pride. You know, they're um, striving for position. And so the idea of someone suggesting that they might serve in this way is just beneath them. It's pride, it's ego, and it leads to entitlement. And entitlement is ugly, isn't it? Jesus knew who he was. He knew that he was God. He was from God and was returning to God. And knowing that, he was able to stoop to the lowest position in humble service to his disciples. Philippians 2 says, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. The knowledge of who he was didn't lead him to demand that people served him, but caused him to lower himself in service to others. Only someone who's got nothing to prove can stoop to the lowest position of the household. Only someone with nothing to prove. And if you have relationship with Jesus today, you've got absolutely nothing to prove. You don't need to fear man or what they might, may think or speak of you. You've got nothing to prove. You don't need to strive for your own success. You've got nothing to prove. Today, you stand loved by Jesus. John's gospel was written by John. I'm so deep, honestly. <laughs> um, But John calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. He calls himself that. 
He writes of himself, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And when I first read that, obviously a while ago, I was like, oh, not sure I like that. It's a bit arrogant. But now I've come to believe it's not arrogant, it's confidence in God. To be able to say, I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. What a beautiful thing to be able to say of yourself. Not that he loved Jesus because we could all do that more, but that the thing that was steadfast and sure was that Jesus loved him. And from that place, he was able to live and walk out everything he was called to do. Today, you are the disciple whom Jesus loves. And maybe it's time that we remember that and only then can we really humble ourselves before each other when we have nothing to prove because our security is found in Jesus. Jesus knew that he was from God and was returning to God. Um, My mind is full of lots of things. I might look simple, but there's a lot going on. Uh, No, I tend to dream a lot. I've always been a dreamer. Um, Just always had lots of thoughts and ideas. And I'd often go into Pastor Simon's office and say, I've had a thought. Um, And he'd say, not another one. (laughs) I've got more. (laughs) Then I get out the list of thoughts. No, I'm joking. Um, But I do have a lot of thoughts in my mind. Um, Quite ambitious, all these things, I guess. Um, But they're all a bit fleeting, if I'm honest. They come and go. You know, dreams come and go, that sort of thing. But there's one thing that has occupied my mind from a very early age, and that is heaven. Always been heaven. I'm fascinated by heaven. Because I know it's real. You know, it's not just like a make-believe thing. You know, it's real. So I'm confident in heaven. I'm curious about it. And what makes me really curious about heaven is what does Jesus look like, you know? Because we get to enjoy his spirit here, don't we? But in heaven, we'll see him face to face. We'll stand before him and it'll all make sense. Every question of our life will be answered because we'll be stood before Jesus himself. I just want to say, yeah, that if... If you're unsure about Jesus, and maybe you're sat here and you're thinking, what is she going on about? If you're unsure about Jesus, I just want to say this. That for me, the what-ifs of the situation are far too great. Because what Jesus offers is eternal life. And if I'm wrong, I've lost nothing. But if I'm right, I've gained absolutely everything. Jesus stands before us today with his hand outstretched and he offers us eternal life. That's what Jesus is doing today. And because heaven is our promise, it's our inheritance, we know that's where we are going to end up. We can live our lives here on earth in preparation for the next life. And that's how I see my time on earth. It's not about gaining success in the eyes of man. It's not about 
you know, people admiring all that I've achieved. It's not about those things here on earth. It's about becoming like Jesus so that we're ready for the next life. That's what this is. And so knowing that, knowing that you are loved by God, knowing that your inheritance of heaven is secure, knowing all of those things, we can die to ourselves and make room for all that he wants to do here on earth because we know this is not the end. We can choose to humble ourselves before one another. We can do the lowest job and recognize that we might not get praise and glory for it. We can do that because we know heaven is in our future. We can better live and serve like Christ when we know that is where we're going. You don't take your successful business to heaven with you. You don't take your achievements and successes. The currency of heaven is faith and Jesus is the way in. I thought that was really good. (laughs) And Jesus, in his final hours here on earth, what did he do? He served. In his final hours, he chose to serve his disciples. Out of everyone that's ever walked here on earth, it's Jesus that had the right to say, how dare you? (laughs) But he never did. He chose to serve. And if that's what Jesus did, how much more must we? Good stuff. Uh, Serving in love requires knowing who you are and where you're going, but it is also a kingdom principle. According to Jewish customs, rabbis should not be the ones washing feet. (laughs) And so here, Jesus chooses to do something that goes against culture. You just imagine it, set the scene. All the disciples are sat around, they're having a nice meal. And um, just like that, Jesus decides to stand up and he begins to wash their feet. And all the disciples stop and it's shock. And they think, why? Why would he do that for me? And real service to one another should lead people to ask this question. Why? Why would you do that for me? Um, I know that we're not very good at serving people. When I, say, uh, when I say we, I mean like everyone. We're not very good at serving people because when we do and when we experience that level of service, it leaves an imprint on our minds. Let me tell you a story. So when uh, my grand called me and said um, that her and granddad went out for a meal and this couple that they've never met decided to pay for their meal and my grand couldn't believe it and she was going why why would they do that are they christians do they know what's going on um, but this real lovely gesture caused her to say why i've got another story but it's less impressive but shall i tell you it anyway yeah. <laughs> all right then because <laughs> um, i'm because i'm a homeowner now um i have to <laughs> wait i have to take the bins out that's the worst job isn't it I don't know, I just really, just something that always happens, you know, for me. My dad always did it. And, um, and now I have to take the bins out. But the first few weeks, I noticed that someone was bringing my bin back into my drive, into the, like, patio bit. I don't have a drive, I'm not that posh. <laughs> 
I really don't. Um, but someone was bringing my bin in for me. And I was like, who is that? That's really nice. Who's doing that for me? Turns out it was my neighbor. And I couldn't believe it. And I said to Sam, I think, I said, why, why is he doing that? And she said, that's what good neighbors do. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to do that. So I'm like trying to wake up early so I can bring his bin in, but he always gets there before me. <laughs> I'm like lurking by the hedge. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm not that bad. Um, but it left, it left a mark on me because I was like, wow, that's really nice. And real service to one another should do just that. It should cause you to say, why? Why would that person do that for me? You know, last week, last Friday, we did the uh, Bless event. Who came to that? Woo! It was um, an event that we put on for the community, um, like a family event. And we had about two, probably just, uh, I'm making it up, maybe like 200, maybe a bit more people come. Um, but it was amazing, and it was all free. It was a free event. And we did it to bless, hence the name, bless the community. And it led people to say, why? Why would you do that for me? And when that happens, and when someone says why, what a great opportunity to say, because Jesus died for me. Because Jesus gave up his life for me, that's why I can do this for you. When we serve one another, we're literally given this opportunity to share the gospel with people. <laughs> but why do we you know, dismiss service like it's second to everything else. It was the very nature of who Jesus was. Knowing who he was, he humbled himself in service to one another. The most remarkable thing for me about this passage is that um, Jesus served everyone in that room, including the one who was going to betray him. It says, for he knew who was going to betray him. He knew that Judas was going to betray him and still he washed his feet. Still, he chose to get down into the dirt of life and to wash this person's feet, knowing he was about to betray him. The greatest betrayal in all humanity, Jesus knew it, and he served him anyway. Is anyone else thankful that Jesus never gave up on you? I am. You know, I'm so thankful that he never gave up on me. Um, part of my testimony is that in my like, lowest moments of great shame, I met Jesus there. It's so confusing. It's upside down for me. You know, it don't make sense that in my most sinful moments, I found Jesus there. Like he was waiting for me because he knew I needed him. That's the best way I can describe it. But I stand here today on the faithfulness of God and I thank him that he never turned his back on me. And if he never turned his back on me, how much more must I never turn my back on someone else? He served me knowing, knowing the sort of person I am. He chose me anyway and he did the same for you. So how much more must we serve others? Um, today, you can humble yourselves in service to one another because Christ first served you. The kingdom is often upside down and it doesn't make sense 
And it's confusing as to why Jesus, God himself, would choose to stoop to the lowest position of the household. It's a culture that's confusing. It's kingdom and it doesn't make sense for us. But it's the way that we're called to live as well. And what this means is that we have to die to ourselves. Because like I said last time, you can't have the resurrection without the death. And so it's time to die to ourselves to make room for all that Christ wants to do in and through our lives. You see, when we choose to serve like him, we point people to the bigger story of his sacrifice, his surrender, his redemption for us. We point people to the bigger story of his presence and his kingdom, all when we choose to surrender our lives to him, all when we choose to lower ourselves, to put our pride and ego to one side to serve one another in love. Are we all enjoying this? <laughs> oh, good <laughs> Um My third point is that serving in love leads to blessing. Hallelujah. We got to the good stuff. No, I'm joking. It leads to blessing. Verse 17. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Yeah. Now we're all going to move a table, aren't we? Jesus is literally stating that if you serve in this way, if you lower yourself to my position of humility, if you choose to die to yourself to make room for all I want to do, if you recognize that you are not above yourself, that you can serve from this position, then you will be blessed. Um, A few weeks ago now, me and Natasha were stood outside next in Selly Oak. And this man, who was quite rough and ready, you know, came over and said, do you girls know how to put email on your phone? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can give it a good go, why not? So I went over and I, you know, showed him how to do it. And he was chatting away. And then I did it. And he was like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much, thank you. He said, let me do something for you. He said, let me buy you a drink. And I thought, is he asking me on a date? <laughs> so I'll chalk it up as one. <laughs> no, I didn't really. Um, I said, no, I don't, need, I don't need a drink. You're all right. He said, oh, I've got to do something. Here, have my yum-yums from Greg's. And I was like, thank you, I will have those. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I wish I had a better story, but I really don't. Um, <laughs> but in that moment, I saw that actually, do you know what? If you're willing to put yourself out there to serve, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Maybe we're not experiencing the whole blessing of God because we're failing to see that first we need to serve. Do you know what I mean? If you want to experience blessing, well, Jesus states it. If you serve like this, then you'll be blessed. The greatest blessing is not a pack of yum-yums from Greg's, though it was a real treat. (laughs) It's not a house or a car. It's not even people. The greatest blessing of your life has been and will always be the presence of Almighty God. Everything else is fleeting. It comes and it goes. But the presence of Almighty God is the greatest blessing in your life. And this is what I felt Jesus talked to me about yesterday. It was that if we die to ourselves, then we make room for his presence. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, if we die to ourselves, we make room for his presence. You see, Jesus, for me, has never forced his way into my life because he's not like that. Um, but rather, he's just waited for that invitation, you know. Jesus doesn't push his way into your life. He just waits for you. And he waits for us to make space for him to come and do all that he wants to do. And so we've got to be willing to make room for the presence of God. Who wants to experience the presence of God? Just a few of us. If you want to experience that in greater measure, then you've got to make room for him to do all that he wants to do. If you want that greatest blessing, you have to die to yourself daily. You have to get out of the way. Only then can we really embrace all that Christ is in and through our lives. The greatest blessing is the presence of Almighty God. And he's waiting for you today. He's waiting for you to make room for him. It's time to stop letting our entitlement and our pride and our ego rule our lives. It's time to live from a different way, to live the Jesus way, I guess. I just want to end by saying something that I felt Jesus say to me um, a few weeks ago. I was uh, here praying for the church and I felt Jesus say to me, I'm taking back my church. So I asked him about it. And I, you know, what do you mean, Lord? And he began to show me how we've made all of this about ourselves. Everything. We've made it all about ourselves. Even, you know, some of the songs that we sing are about ourselves. You know, the sound and the lighting does it bless me? You know, we come and we go, that doesn't serve me. That's why people church hop. <laughs> because they, you know, they don't feel like they've got all their needs met. Because we've made it about us. You know, we come to church and that seat's got to be for me because that best serves me. We come and we expect someone's going to do the youth and the kids because that best serves me. We have certain expectations and an entitlement when we come together because we know that this best serves me. And I just felt Jesus say, I'm taking back my church because we've made it about ourselves and it was never supposed to be about that. And so today, Jesus is taking back his church. And what do we do in response to that? We surrender and we get out of the way for Jesus to do all that he wants to do. We say, yes, Lord, I'm going to die to myself and I'm going to make room for your presence in and through my life. And we take up every opportunity to serve one another because we know it makes us more like Jesus. Because Jesus not only is the you know, risen saviour, our healer, our redeemer, deliverer. He is also our servant king. That is, when you read the gospels, you read of a Jesus who served, who gave up everything to stoop to a lowest position to serve. That's who Jesus is. And perhaps when we realise that and when we live like that, it unlocks something of his presence and his glory and his power in our life. But maybe he's waiting for you to serve 
Now, I'm not saying everyone should sign up for the kids' team. And I'm not saying you should all wash each other's feet. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that in your life, whatever it looks like, you need to be asking God, I want opportunity to serve here. You need to be seeking out moments when you can bless someone else. That might be paying for someone's shopping. It might be being extra kind to your neighbors. It might be buying them a meal or something. It might be taking someone out for coffee who you don't usually meet for coffee. It might mean leaving your usual friendship group to go sit with someone else. It might mean coming early to help set things up. Whatever it looks like, that's before you and God. I'm not telling you what to do. And I'm not saying we should all wash each other's feet. <laughs> it's not that physical act. It's what the act represents. And what it represents is humility. And only in humility do we really lay our lives down. And only then do we make way for Jesus to do all that he wants to do. Let's pray together. Yeah, Jesus, we come before you right now, God. And first, God, we just want to say sorry when we've made all this about us. We recognize that, you know, perhaps we've let certain ways of thinking and being just control our life, but forgive us, God, when we've made it about us. And we come before you, Jesus, and we state in this moment that we acknowledge that none of this was ever about us. It's all about you, Jesus. All about you, Jesus. And so right now, God, we lower ourselves before you. We humble ourselves, Jesus. And we ask, would you make us more like you? Make us more like you, Jesus. And as we choose to serve one another, I ask, would you pour out your presence amongst your people? And I pray that we'd experience your glory and your majesty to a whole greater level as we choose to lower ourselves before you. Amen.